Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Second Take. Hopefully, your guys' winter breaks were as fun as ours. Um, in this podcast, we're going to be discussing a few things. Kevin Durant, snakes again. The complaining never stops. Next trade for OG Ananobi and the Lakers and Warriors' recent trouble. Uh, we're going to start right off, Ryan, with Kevin Durant. Recently, KD has been complaining yet again about his supporting cast. And because of this, rumors have kind of already begun about him potentially jumping ship. I know none of these are necessarily viable rumors, but yet again, there's always rumors around KD. My question for you is, will they ever figure it out in Phoenix? Or is this going to be another failed super team in which Kevin Durant is the cornerstone? I don't think this Phoenix team is going to be able to figure this specific situation out, mostly because of the hole they put themselves in their whole money situation, right? So they said, hey, let's just get the best possible players we can get on the top end, right? They already had Booker, got Kevin Durant, got Bradley Beal. And then after they traded DeAndre Ayton for Nurkic and Grayson Allen, the rest of their roster has been filled out with minimum players, guys who make almost nothing, such as Keita Bates-Diop, Drew Eubanks, Jordan Goodwin. Eric Gordon might be the best one they have, but even he's complaining about not getting enough shots. So this roster, I think, if anything, the modern NBA has shown us there are better players and the league is deeper than ever. And if your roster 5 through 15 is filled with minimum guys, I don't know if you're good enough because normally you'd want one or two of these guys as your ninth or 10th guy in your rotation, and you're happy with that. But it's their entire bench. I just don't think they have the talent besides the top three guys to be able to really compete at this point. I agree. I mean, ever since the Fien- since the Bradley Beal trade, I really think that's where they went kind of sideways. I mean, you, you, you do that deal because, you know, it's basically a Chris Paul for Bradley Beal swap. Like, essentially is what it was. But ever since that day, you're putting all your eggs in the Bradley Beal basket. And maybe they just didn't give him a physical or something before because the dude has been injured mm-hmm. 95% of the season. And with the lower back injury... You're really rarely the same afterwards. You've said that before on this podcast. Um, and they don't have a cohesive team. It's just a bunch of scorers. You know, Devin Booker, perks to, shout out to him. He has played an excellent kind of combo guard role for them, being their primary playmaker. But you just have a bunch of people that are naturally looking to score because that's what they're best at. You don't have a ton of defense, if any at all. Nurkic, I'm surprised he's been healthy for this long in the season, right? So I don't necessarily think the way that the roster is currently constructed, they can truly compete. They're a scary team to play against because any given night they could score 140 points. But their defense is so lacking. And I know it's le- like defense is less important than it ever has been but still you need to be able to play some defense in time in in spots so 
I don't see it working out this year. And like you said, they don't really have much flexibility because Bradley Bill has a no trade clause. <laughs> that is so, true. Like I'm mean, Yeah. They got rid of so between the uh Aiton trade and the Chris Paul trade, they got rid of all of their assets, including draft picks. So they can't even do anything now unless it's like a one for one swap. But I don't know if even that does enough for them. I mean Outside of the depth I had mentioned was an issue for them. They also have essentially one point guard on the roster, Jordan Goodwin, who's like a bench dude. And I know Devin Booker's been a great passer, and he's passing really well, but they honestly just need someone who's going to set up all those scores and not have to worry about getting their own. And on top of that, I also think Nurkic isn't really the right fit for this team. I think they need more of a defensive-minded center as you mentioned, the defense has been an issue. They need someone who can protect the rim, protect the basket, protect these guys on the backside. And they don't have either of those two things on this team. So it's 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 going to be kind of shaky. They're basically relying on once the playoffs come around, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, get us ISO mid-range buckets more than the other team is going to score however they score. Yeah. My thing is, is how does this make Kevin Durant look? It I just, mean, this specific team, I, no. it, you know, it just makes, honestly, his time with Stephen Curry just, like, more impressive to Steph, I think, as opposed to anything else. Because everywhere else he's gone, it hasn't worked out, and there's always drama, even though he doesn't really seem like a dramatic person. It's like something always happens wherever he goes. So, you know, maybe it's time to stop pointing the fingers at all these other people, and maybe there's something about him we really don't know about. He's an excellent player. But like the great Charles Barkley once said, he's a bus rider, not a bus driver. (laughs) Right? Uh, He was the best player on those back-to-back championship teams with Steph. But it's easy to be the best player on a team like that and win. You could have put Paul George in that scenario. They would have won, you know? Yeah. At least those two rings that they won. You know what I mean? Like, you you could have put a similar mold like Kevin Durant that maybe is not as high-end talent-wise alongside Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and they still probably would have won. Mm-hmm. So I don't really see that as much of an accomplishment on on his part. Um, but even with Golden State, he's the one that decided to leave. He's the one that pointed fingers. Now, granted, Draymond Green, which we'll get to later in this podcast, was probably a big part of that. And uh, but still, it just it's sad because one of the most talented, gifted players that has ever played basketball is going to basically have a career with a giant asterisk on it. Can't win without stuff. I mean, and the thing is, I think he's basically going to be stuck in Phoenix for the duration of his contract because let's say he does theoretically demand a trade this year before the trade deadline, right? Suns aren't good enough. He wants to leave. Who's going to want to trade for him after all this stuff that's happened recently, right? He asks out of Brooklyn goes to Phoenix, they give up everything. He gives that 
basically once uh, two half seasons and then asks out again. I don't think people would be necessarily lining up to trade for this guy. So, I mean, with the lack of assets Phoenix has, it feels like this year might be their best chance unless they can get some steals in free agency somehow. But I just, his best chance to win another ring might be post Phoenix, which is in three or four seasons. So he's still going to be good. That's the thing. Like, He's going to be dang near 40 at that point. I think he'll still be a good basketball player. He's not going to be at the level he is now, though, most more than likely. I mean, he's 35, probably 38, 39 by the time that contract's up. So, you know, he might be able to ride a bus for another year or two with a different team. Yeah. All in all, coming to rant, just if you're a big KD fan, this is another gut punch. And to be honest, you kind of deserve it. So I, I also want to add real quickly, I think it's hilarious because the whole in the NBA Twitter circles, it reminded me of that year the Lakers signed all those old guys to minimum contracts and everyone was like, yeah, oh, Mello. they're yeah. so loaded. They're so good. You know, this offseason, they went in and they signed like Bull Bull, who everyone is like, oh, he's, he's Victor. He's Kendrick Perkins has him as a depoy candidate, <laughs> right? Uh, they signed freaking Damian Lee came back. They signed Metu, you know, Utah Watanabe from the greatest shooter of all time from freaking Brooklyn. And everyone, every signing they had, everyone was like, oh, that's such a big signing for them. But guess what? Too many guys who are the end of the bench role players are on that team. And it's just not working out for them. They just don't have role players that can fit a role that they need. They don't have defense. You know, they don't have they all the do Ricky the Rubio thing. archetype yeah. where they just he just sets people up, right? You're basically putting way too much playmaking and scoring responsibilities at the same time on Booker and Durant because they're the ones that are getting people open. <laughs> and then it's almost as if they have to shoot the ball for them sometimes. Yeah, yeah, they need someone right. else like, off the bench as a self creator. Outside of where Eric those Gordon, two don't have to do stuff. Outside of Eric Gordon, who has been their best role player, they really are reliant on one or two dudes stepping up and they never know who that guy is night in and night out. That's tough. So sucks to suck. Suck I, but here's the thing. It's poetic justice, right? You make your bed, you gotta sleep in it. Mm-hmm. You know? Katie, he wanted to chart, start a new chapter in Golden State and ruin basketball for four years. And he got flack for it. Then he goes to Brooklyn trying to do his own thing, and he's getting flack for that. And now he's going to, to Phoenix because, you know, winning with Kyrie and James Harden was too hard, I guess. So, you know, there is a little bit of pity for Kevin Durant. But at the end of the day, you made your bed, you got to sleep in it, and this is what's happening. It's it's almost beautiful to watch. He's just cursed now ever since that Golden State era. He, he truly is. sold his soul, man. He, he truly sold his did. NBA career for two rings with stuff. Oh, so, man. Anyway, let us know down in the comments what you think of the Kevin Durant situation in Phoenix. Does he deserve this? Do we need to be more uh, pitiful towards him? My opinion, I don't think it really matters. So, all right. 
Moving on, big news as of late. The Knicks traded for the oh-so-coveted OG Ananobi, the most untouchable asset that's been available for two-plus years now. Who won this trade? Ananobi, the Knicks acquired OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malik Finley for quickly R.J. Barrett and a 2024 second-round pick brought to you in part by the Detroit Pistons. So, all in all, do you think this is a win-win trade for both? Do you think there's a slight edge to one of the teams who won this trade? Yeah, I go with the slight edge to the New York Knicks overall in this trade. I honestly think the Raptors really fumbled the situation because there were a ton of rumors that OG was worth up two or three first-round picks last year, and they just kept holding on to him. They didn't know what to do. They just weren't very good still. And then this year, for some reason, early in the year is the time they decided it was time to sell him, and they got no picks in return. Um, they did get R.J. Barrett, who's younger, and quickly, who I really like, actually. He was never going to get the chance in New York that he's going to get now with the Raptors. But, you know, they got two decent players for him. I just, I still don't know which direction the Raptors are going, and that's the main reason why I'm leaning towards the New York Knicks because, essentially, they gave they got an upgraded version of R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett can't shoot. He's not efficient. And he's not the defender people hoped he would be. And OG is a good shooter and a great defender. He's also even bigger than R.J. Barrett. But the price to upgrade R.J. Barrett did cost Emmanuel quickly and probably the 31st pick in the draft since that's yeah. from the Pistons, um, which is a good second-round pick to have. But, uh, you know, quickly was a big piece to them, so they had to give up some depth. But like I mentioned, he's behind Jalen Brunson. I don't think Tibbs was ever going to give him the chance uh, with Brunson being there to kind of flourish uh, and be out there. They also added Precious Achua, uh, center, big guy, for some depth with Mitchell Robinson out for the year. And then, you know, Malachi Flynn, just another guard just in case they need him, I guess. But I honestly think, too, for the Knicks, this trade is more of a for the long term than the short term. I know OG's only on a one-year deal this year, and they have to re-sign him, but they didn't have to give up any high, like any draft capital that were first-round picks in this trade. So they still have the chance to trade for a star like this offseason, which has been rumored by Woj to be one where there might be multiple stars who want out and want to be moved. And if that's the case, if they're able to keep Brunson, Randall, OG kind of together and add a star to that mix with those first-round picks, New York really would have something at that point, um, even if you're able to keep another role guy with Josh Hart. So I give it to the Knicks because I can see a long-term future that they're looking to build with this team, that they might just be a star trade away from being one of those big-time title contenders. I agree with you. I do think the, it's a win-win for both teams, um, but I think the Knicks slightly edge out the Raptors in this scenario. Uh, the positive side for the Raptors is they finally kind of got rid of Ananobi and said, okay, Scotty, this is your team, right? Uh, with that, with the Raptors, it, you had a bunch of people that are were saying, this is my squad. And 
at the end of the day, you needed to build around Scotty. The next domino to follow is um, Pascal Siakam. All right. Wherever uh, he's he lands, we'll now. see. But yeah. that is the next domino to fall. And I do think R.J. Barrett uh, suffered from having Jalen Brunson kind of rise to stardom. Uh, he basically said, okay, this not only am I better than you, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, you're going to be a third or fourth fiddle on this team. And I think R.J., in order for him to truly blossom into the potential player he can be, whether or not that happens, is remain to be seen. He needs to be that second option. Uh, he needs to be that guy that now, if R.J. Barrett's your second option, you're probably not going to be a great team. But this is the beginning of the rebuild that Toronto has postponed for too long. And I think that's the main reason why the Knicks won this trade is because they didn't have to give up that draft capital for OG. I never thought he was that valuable in the first place. Um, but the Knicks basically got him with for a R.J. Barrett swap. And the timelines match up better now for both teams because R.J. Barrett's three years younger. Ananobi is the same age as Randall and uh, Jalen Brunson. So if nothing else, the timelines for both teams now fit better. So that's why I think it's a win-win for both teams. And also, I think the biggest winner as a player individually, I touched on this a little bit before, is Emmanuel Quickly. I think now he's going to become a high-level starting point guard. He already started their first game over Dennis Schroeder. Um, he's he's a good player, and he's going going to going to keep showing that. Especially, you know, he's in six man of the year. Uh, conversations last year with the Knicks and now he's getting the chance to run his own show he's going to get over 30 minutes a night which he's never really gotten unless Brunson was out um, you know Tibbs would always keep him in the 20s somewhere so he's going to be the guy who I think blossoms the most out of everyone everyone else and has an impact and he's still pretty young too I mean he's I believe he's under 25 26 so he might be able to yeah. be a future point guard down there in Toronto so all in all, I think it's a win-win trade that makes a lot of sense for both teams. I don't think it does anything for this year on either end of the squad, right? OG Ananobi is not going to make the Knicks true title contenders right now. RJ Barrett isn't going to get the Raptors out of the potential lottery spot, which is honestly what both teams kind of need right now. The, the Knicks, they're kind of going for it. Jalen Brunson has shown that he can be a cornerstone of a winning franchise. And like you said, this is just setting up more moves. This is the first move on the chessboard for both teams. And it's luckily a win-win for both sides. So let us know what you guys think of the Knicks trade uh, for OG Ananobi. Do you think the Knicks fleeced the Raptors? Do you think this is a win-win for both? Let us know in the comments down below. Now we're going to move on to two of the most famous and popular teams in all of basketball. The Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James and the Golden State Warriors with Stephen Curry. Both of these teams are in trouble. I think it's safe to say that right now, in my opinion. The Lakers, since winning the in-season tournament, have a record of 3-8, and eight, falling to a 500 record on the year, and they are currently sitting in 10th place in the West 
with little with a little under 50 games to go. So still plenty of games to go, but they're pretty much in the same scenario, a little less drastic than they were last year. They're in the 10th spot. You know, they're barely in the play-in. And then the Warriors, let's just say that this season so far is not what we're accustomed to seeing with them. They're constantly outsized. They're outmatched by their opponents. And they're currently ranked 19th in net rating. And yet again, Draymond is another distraction. Instead of punching his own teammates, he's punching other teammates and he's not playing basketball. So my question for you, Ryan, is which one of these teams is more likely to make a big trade as we approach the trade deadline? Definitely the Lakers, because they have stuff that I think they're always willing to give up play, their role players. Anyone who's not their top star guys, they're always willing to give up. I definitely think it's the Lakers. D'Lo's definitely the biggest trade piece they have on that team. For someone who needs a point guard, they could definitely pick pick someone else up. Um, as it looks like LeBron's been playing point guard for them recently, and they might just run with that for the rest of the year, which is probably their best option. That's what they should do. Yeah. Um, and so there's that. They also have... I think the most interesting selection of picks because teams want their picks so badly because this might just be LeBron James's last year with the Lakers. In all honesty, one year left on his contract. If Bronny does declare for the draft and he goes to a team that's not the Lakers, there's a real chance LeBron goes and plays with his son just to add to his legacy, to his resume, to his resume of just doing something that no one's ever done before. So are the Lakers really going to be willing to give up those draft picks in order to help LeBron James win one more year in L.A.? I honestly think so because it's always been an all-or-nothing franchise. Um, On the other side of Golden State, I only think teams are interested in their young guys. I really don't know how interested teams are in Clay Thompson if they did want to off him because of the free agency or even Draymond Green with all of his recent issues. I'm, I just don't even know if they could get fair value for a guy like Draymond. So I definitely see the Lakers as that team that's going to be a lot more active on the trade market and could make a decently sized splash. Could probably even get Zach Levine if they wanted to. I think it's a fair point. I think the Lakers are more likely to make kind of a bigger trade just because that's historically what LeBron teams always do, right? When things go haywire, they try to revamp it at the last minute and then they go on a crazy run to the conference finals come playoff time. So yes, I agree with you there. They only have pretty much that 2029 pick that they can trade, I believe, which is almost a guaranteed lottery pick because we don't even know if Anthony Davis will be in a Lakers in uniform, yet alone LeBron James. Um, so that is enough. That almost counts as two draft picks, essentially, because people are banking on that. It's going to be a guaranteed lottery pick. I would argue that the Warriors need it more, mm. in my opinion. I think the right thing to do, if you're wanting to win with Stephen Curry right now, which... All signs have showed that that's what they want to do. They got rid of some young pieces. Uh, They got rid of Poole to bring in Chris Paul, right? None of these trades are for the future. It's to win right now. You need to get off of Klay Thompson. You just do. 
The problem is, I don't know if his value is anywhere in the league. That or Draymond. But like you said, I don't think you could get fair value back for either one of those players. So they're kind of stuck. But I would argue that the Warriors need it more than the Lakers do. The Lakers just need to put LeBron at point guard and stop dicking around. And they'd honestly probably solve a lot of their issues. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers, basically with this group plus a couple extra guys that they added in the offseason, they made the Western Conference Finals last year. Like, this team still definitely has a chance to get back into the thick of things um, in the playoff race, get out of the playing game. Um, They've had their issues, but the Warriors are definitely in the worst situation. I cannot disagree with that. Klay Thompson is not what they need him to be. Obviously, he has his good nights, but he's still shooting with that same green light he's had almost his whole career, and he's not that guy anymore. Not that guy anymore. He needs a different role on a different team. He can't be asked to be your second leading scorer. That's just not who he is. It's not who he's going to be. And Draymond Green, he's also taken a half step half step back, but I still think he's a very useful player for the organization. It's just the fact that he keeps hitting people, smacking people. He's not available and you know, who's going to really want to give up that much if you do trade him? It's almost like a buying low type of situation. So we'll see what happens there. The only people anyone would want from Golden State are like Moody and Kuminga. If they're willing to give them up, um, they might be able to get something back. But I really don't know if the Warriors can pull themselves out of the hole because they might have just aged out at this point. Yeah, it's sad to say. I mean, Steph still playing like a top 10 player, 10, top five player in the NBA, one of the best at his position. Um, I've just never seen the Warriors struggle like this when they're healthy. I think that's what's throwing everybody off in this predicament is everyone's healthy, right? When Clay, Steph, and Draymond are healthy, we are used to them being a top caliber team in the NBA. You know, they're two years removed from winning the title. Um, but... I, let's say hypothetically they were going to move Clay. What's the market like? The market for Clay. Who would be interested in Clay Thompson? Not that they'll probably do this. I think you could move off Clay for maybe a bigger contract that other teams are scared of, right? So, for example, apparently there's no trade market for Zach Levine right now. If they wanted Zach Levine, and they needed just someone to match for money-wise, because he's on an expiring contract, that could be useful to a team who wants to start a rebuild like the Bulls, potentially. I mean, they should want to start a rebuild at least. But just to give up that $37 million or whatever it is and have it disappear at the end of the year and take on a contract like a Zach Levine, who is absolutely terrifying because he's going to be making 50 million by the end of that contract. And is he worth it? No, probably not, but he is better than clay Thompson is right now. He's going to be better for years to come than clay Thompson. And it would be an upgrade. There's no guarantee that's going to push them over the hump and make them a title contender again. But that's kind of the best thing you could be looking for with that amount of money. Otherwise you'd just be dumping him off for salary relief because Golden State also is really deep into the tax situation with all their contracts, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do anything until they start 
kind of like letting these guys off their money, like Chris Paul and Clay Thompson. Yeah, sad scenario, honestly. Um, I didn't think that they would be true title contenders in the West, but I did not expect them to not be in the playoffs, right? Not even be in the play-in. So Mm -hmm. they have a lot to figure out. Things are on the brighter side for the Lakers for sure. Um, Who do you think is the big fish that they're going to go for? Because I think it's already determined they're going to make a trade. Who is it going to be for? You know, I think the best option for them, the option that they want probably the most is not Levine because they don't like to trade for those long-term contracts, but the other Chicago Bull. I think DeMar is the most likely guy they'd be going for. He only has one year left on his contract, which the Lakers never had issues like trading for guys on short-term deals. Plus, LeBron only has the one year left anyways. Uh, They wouldn't have to give up. They might be able to make that trade happen without giving up with their first-round pick left to trade. Um, if they're willing to give up seconds, maybe Max Christie, some of their role guys. Um, that's probably the best option for them, and he fits well, especially if LeBron's playing the point guard. He can fit with that team uh, just because you won't have as many spacing issues. But um, I really don't know if there's anyone else out there for them at the moment who they could really go for that would make a difference for them besides, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan type guy. I agree. DeMar's definitely a better fit alongside LeBron and AD than Levine. Uh, he's more, he's a more efficient scorer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can also be a secondary playmaker, maybe a little bit. I don't know. Him and Levine are pretty car- comparable statistically. Um, DeMar has just shown up more in the playoffs historically. So yeah. um, I don't think the Bulls do that unless they get a pick. Mm. I don't know if they do. I mean, they're in that stage of rebuilding. You think the cap space would, would be more worth it than just moving off of him for some players for them? I don't know. What, what do you give? You give D'Lo and who else? Yeah, whatever salary makes it work. I mean, I know the Bulls would want um, Austin Reeves. So that I know. Might I mean, be is what that it, worth it? Yeah, I know. Uh, for a one year of DeMar DeRozan, no. But also, if LeBron James says do it, are they going to not do it? So that's the other thing. I mean, but what do you think about a guy like, do you think Pascal Siakam has a chance to go to the Lakers? I mean... They they could trade for him. He only has That's one, probably the other guy. One year left. Yeah, I mean, he we know he's available for a trade now, and if that would require a pick, uh, most definitely. But if the Raptors, I bet if the Raptors get that first round pick, they're not going to ask for too much more if you can make the salaries match. So um, player wise, D'Lo, D'Lo and Rui, basically the two, yeah, acquisitions that you made, uh, through the Utah trade mm-hmm. last year, Russell Westbrook trade. If you flip them. And the pick, I bet they get him. Probably get him. Yeah. yeah, I mean D'Lo, they're probably more interested in quickly. So D'Lo would honestly just be how many years are left on his contract? D'Lo, I two, think he has I two after this year. Yeah, I think it was a three-year deal. I don't know if they'd be interested in D'Lo. It might have just to quickly. It might have to be expanded to a three-team trade, where D'Lo gets shipped off to a team who to wants another a point guard. 
Mm -hmm. That might have to be what happens or like Schroeder gets shipped off to the third team or something like that. Cause I'm sure they want to keep quickly. I don't think there would be interested in moving him, especially with him being young. Well, I don't think they would be interested. What I'm saying is I don't think they'd be interested in acquiring D'Lo at all D-Lo. because they have they have quickly, which they're not going to move. And then Schroeder's a better veteran presence than D'Lo is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. Um, so I think that would have to be a three-team trade probably if they are moving off of D'Lo. They'd have to find a team who wants him, which, I mean, I don't know what his value is looking like now. I mean, there's a team, I don't know, the most interesting team to me would be a team like the Spurs, who don't even start a point guard, and they have so many second-round draft picks, it might not even be worth it for them to keep those picks. But, like, in terms of teams that are actually decent, like, I don't know if the Suns could pull it off to get D'Lo. They they might actually need him, to be honest. But, you know, there's some... I don't know if there's too many teams out there in the market for D'Lo as well. Honestly, just kind of looking at it. Um, but if they can find a taker for D'Lo, I bet they can make that trade happen to get a Pascal Siakam for this year. Which would, would it make be worth Lakers... it for Pascal? For Pascal? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, nothing's going to happen for him in Toronto this year. Oh, I meant, I meant, do you think it'd be worth it for the Lakers to trade for Pascal over a DeRozan or a, Le- uh, a Levine? Those are that's really your options. I don't see any other. Well, do I think it's worth it? No, but do I think they would do it? Yeah, because LA every year it's winter bust. Like I said, mm-hmm. might be the last year LeBron, so it might be the last chance to win for the next five years. Like honestly, so I wouldn't do it personally just because I don't want to give up any more of my picks because. Like, I tried to do more work around the edges of my team instead of just going for the star. But um, it's the Lakers, man. That's just kind of what they what they do, what they go for sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, Well, at the end of the day, let us know what you think of the Lakers and Warriors situation. Who do you feel like is more likely to make a big trade? And who do you feel like needs it more? Let us know in the comments below.